Warning, Geesebumps is a comedy podcast based on the works of R.L. Stein. Any similarity to an actual literature podcast is coincidental and unintentional. Listener beware, you're not in for a scare. Live plants? Dead people? Dr. Brewer is doing a little plant testing in his basement. Nothing to worry about. Harmless, really. But Margaret and Casey Brewer are worried about their father, especially when they meet some of the plants he's growing down there. Then they notice that their father is developing plant-like tendencies. In fact, he's becoming distinctly weedy and seedy. (laughs) It's so stupid. Welcome to Geesebumps, a Goosebumps podcast. Nope. Nope. Welcome to Geesebumps, a Did You Mean Goosebumps podcast, in which... You well, can just say who you are. Yeah, okay. Let me just... I'm That's right. Uh, we, we have a lot of cuts we can do. I'm going to go ahead and yeah, start we have a lot of. We have a lot of choices. We got, yep. a lot of, we got a lot of fuel in this tank. Welcome to Geesebumps, a Did You Mean Goosebumps podcast, hosted by... The three. <laughs> you, all you have to say is I'm Danielle McManus, PhD. <laughs> oh. That's all it takes. I know. Okay. No, I'm, okay. Reset, re- reset I'm good. Uh, Welcome to Geese Bumps, a Did You Mean Goosebumps podcast. I'm Danielle Mc... Oh, my God. The, 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 what? what I, unprecedented. <laughs> unprecedented. What we've done is we split up because Danielle's name is so long. We wrote Danielle Mick, and then we have another cute card behind it that said Manus. And I didn't. I was I was asleep at the wheel when it comes to switching those bad boys around. I hate it when people split up my name. I can't work like this. I'm going. Okay. And then also, you know, the uh, PhD. Yes. It's, yes. Hey, 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 we'll we'll deal with that mistake when it happens. <laughs> we can't give preemptive notes. Let's try this one again. I'm flirting with Danielle McPhD. Welcome to Geesebumps, a Did You Mean Goosebumps podcast. I'm Danielle. I have a PhD in English. I'm Jojo. I have a PhD in English. I'm Jeff. I have various Discord channels that I don't know how to use. <laughs> The amount of 36 to 42 year olds that I expected to be in the Steven Universe Discord that I joined a few weeks ago, mm. not as many as I was hoping. How yeah, many? and that's probably good. Yeah. Or all of them are 36 to 42 year olds and they're pretending to be 14. The good news for Danielle and I is that if we hear about anything sus happening in the Steven Universe Discord, I know where to go. Indeed. And let's just say if you use uwu in Discord, they're gonna know straight up that who I'm you super are. cool. Yeah. Yeah. They're like old person, kick them. We're gonna make you admin of this channel. Can we have your credit card, please? <laughs> yeah. Okay, kids, I love you. <laughs> You're old. Well, today on Geesebumps, we are talking about the second of Goosebumps novelizations from actual life. This is actually R.L. Stein's real life. 
that he did it's in his life. It's not a biography. The, the adaptation. But it's this, a, this, is the, this is the second one. Stay out of the basement that we're going to be talking about this day. Let's do some synopsizing okay. of this bad boy. Who would like to go first? I'll, I'll, I'll hit it off. Twitter I'll, Jeff. I'll, I'll get on deck first. I'm a hit. I'm, okay, ready? Yeah. All right. Go. All right. So it is in a small California town, unnamed as always, where Casey and Margaret, two siblings, are living at home and their dad is just hunched down in the basement doing some science experiments after he got fired from his job for unknown reasons, potentially dangerous reasons. Mom goes away on some, we're going to call it vacation to see her sister, but we don't know if that's really the case. And the kids are stuck with dad malnourished and dad seems to be taking on a different personality because he is becoming quite obsessed with his work in the basement with plants. He says, stay out of the basement. The kids don't stay out of the basement. What happens next? Oh, I can't even tell you. I forgot. Hijinks ensue. Hijinks ensue. Hijinks ensue. Uh, is it man? Is it plant? Is it dad? Is it both? We don't know. We hopefully will find out by the end of the book. That was a very bad Goodreads, guys. I don't know if I'm going to read this one based on that. Okay, okay. But let's, okay, Danielle, ah. you're up. Okay, let me. And yep. go. Actual plot. Dad goes down in the basement a lot. He works a lot on plants. The plants are weird. They breathe and move and, and moan. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> then the kids go down there and they find out that the plants are bonkers and their dad is bonkers. And then it turns out their dad has leaves on his head because he's actually a plant. And oh, my God. And this is actually a story about having sex with plants. Thank you. Do you relinquish the rest of your time? I yield. I yield my time. Okay, good. All right. Stay out of the basement. Kids, they have a dad who doesn't like them. And so their mom goes away to take care of the sick aunt. So they just decide to screw with the dad and mess with all of his cool stuff in the basement. It turns out dad is like a plant man and he wants to make his kids plants and then that's that's basically it there's a lot of going into the basement coming out of the basement going into the basement shenanigans and at one point they go down there and they're like man look at this door and they go in the door and then the, their dad their real dad is in there and the way they know their real dad is because margaret gets an axe and cuts her real dad she presses the axe into her real dad to make him bleed a bunch. And then the real dad's like, thanks. And then he takes the axe and he kills the other dad. Now that dad is dead. And then he says, the kids, I'm going to make this shit into a game room. And the kids are chill about it. Yeah. Then school starts later that year. And school starts later <laughs> that year. Yep. Then they go to school. Great. They have stories to tell. Yeah. Wait, what I did on my wait. summer vacation is. So, yeah. So as you could tell from all three of our synopses, there's a lot going on in this book. Is is no. No, no, no. There's not a, there's not a lot going on. There's like four things happening. I, no, I, I, I didn't say in reality. I didn't say in reality from our synopses. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a it's a linear plot, sure. But there's a lot under the surface, baby. <laughs> baby. Baby. I don't. Wanna, I don't believe you. You know who I will believe. You know who I will believe. I'll believe a certain friend of mine. Hang on. Let me see if I can make. Okay. Yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting um, Richard Lewis Stein on the on the horn. Okay, get him in here. We have one specific phone that we actually use to it's call. It's a him. it's a black phone that's got skulls where the top where the where the mouth and the ear part are for the whole the whole part you hold with the hand is a skeleton hand too. So now we have Richard Lewis Stein on on the horn. Hello, Richard Lewis. I no longer go by Richard Lewis. Excellent. That is in fact a rumor started by the internet and I don't appreciate it. I feel like they thought that my correct name, Royal Lama Stein, 
was not good enough for them. Is that a family name? It is. Okay. Is I, it your family's name or is it just a family that you liked and you took it? it? It's a family that lived in the barn behind my house. Okay. And uh, they had a llama mm-hmm. whose name was Royal. Okay. And his, that I was named in his honor because he was a noble beast. So were you born in the barn and that's how the, your family... No, came? I was okay. not born in a barn. Oh, okay. you raised in a barn. No. There was a barn behind my home. Americans. I'm just asking why this why this llama named Royal was so important to your family that they felt the need to name you after it. If they if your birth wasn't somehow coinciding with it eating hay. Yeah, because honestly, I think that a llama eating hay is a pretty positive omen for the birth of a soon-to-be horror writer. Because llama rhymes with drama, yeah. and drama goes hand in hand with horror, mm-hmm. and horror starts with an H, and H is in hay. Precisely. And hell. It is that that too. Yeah. Yes. Now yes. I don't like mentioning I don't like mentioning H E double hockey sticks because I know that Mr. Satan's listening to our show. That's right. But I will say that yes, it is probably a pretty good thing that Royal Llama Stein is here with us today. First of all, big fans. We uh we we read a book of yours called Stay Out of the Basement. Ah uh, yes, not Stay Out in the Basement. Yes. Uh, what is this book about? We know it's not just sixty four pages of drivel. Yeah, it's actually one hundred and twenty two pages. Yeah. Can't fool us. Oh. Got to get up pretty early to trick Dr. Jojo and Jeff AA. You're very observant. I appreciate that. Uh, so, what you, what do you think the book is about? Do you think it's about a plant man? Um, I mean, it seems pretty obvious to me that this book's about, obviously, a family and some sort of plant man. False. Oh. Yes, you fail. Goodbye. Royal. Can I call you Royal? No. Okay. Can I call you Llama? No. Llama. Um, um, oh, the two, the L's are even more silent. Yes, the L's <laughs> are silent. Yeah, the first L is, is as silent as the second L, if not more so. All right, Amma, where did I go wrong with my my description of, of the book's plot? I, I, I don't know. It seemed pretty obvious to me. This book is about realizing one's queer sexuality, coming out of the closet in the basement where that sexuality has been trapped. It was very bound and gagged, doubly so. And it is about a man realizing that he loves his neighbor and his boss, but not his wife or his children. There you go. Thanks. Thanks for joining us, Royal. We appreciate that one. <laughs> Let me uh, oh, hang on. I'm going to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna dis- to disconnect. Yeah. Can we just cut the line? That's gone. That, that call cost us $82. That was a yeah. very expensive phone call. <laughs> we we probably, that was a real waste of our money. Yeah, it's wow. actually the way the phone works is that it actually, when we call him, it instantly makes his phone call us collect. You know what, Daniel? I'm not going to take any crap off of you because you just got so starstruck. You didn't say anything that whole I couldn't, interview. I couldn't. I mean, he's brilliant guy. I know. Royal he's, Llama is a pretty smart man. I mean, to follow Welcome to Dead House. With a book that makes sense. With a book with a plot. I got something from the beginning. And I think it's a, it's, a nice, it's a nice little chunk that basically encapsulates the entire book because I'm good at that, sure. at picking things like that. Yes. Okay, okay so this is, uh, for me, it's on page six, which is at the end of pa- uh, chapter one, the last couple paragraphs. <clears throat> she pulled the door open the rest of the way and they stepped onto the narrow stairway. Hey, Dad! Casey called excitedly. Dad, can we see? He was very, has not hit puberty yet. No, no. They were halfway down when their father appeared at the foot of the stairs. 
He glared up at them angrily, his skin strangely green under the fluorescent light fixture. He was holding his right hand, drops of red blood falling onto his white lab coat. Stay out of the basement, he bellowed in a voice they'd never heard before. Both kids shrank back, surprised to hear their father scream like that. He was usually so mild and soft-spoken. Stay out of the basement, he repeated, holding his bleeding hand. Don't ever come down here. I'm warning you. I'm having sex down here. I don't think that's that's not in that's not in there. That's in your that's in your version. That's the subtext. Yeah. Daniel got yeah. the uh, the European version. I which did. Is, I got the French version. We're raunchy. You got the you got the version where the cover was like a plant man, like in an embrace. It was Mr. Bean, but he was actually a bean. He was actually a. Bean. It was Mr. Bean with mi- with Mr. Bean. A, it was Mr. Bean with Jolly Green. Oh had yeah. A bean himself. He had quite a bean. He did. That's like a, <laughs> what does that mean? What's the name of the guy who plays Mr. Bean? Rowan Atkinson. Do you think Rowan Atkinson calls his, his whole business the, the Bean? The Bean. He yeah. has to. The Mr. Bean? The Mr. Bean. The Mr. It's the Big Bean because you don't want to say the Little Bean. Well, I mean, yeah, it's the Big Bean because that's what's funded all of his other like productions that he's wanted to so do. So he calls his hog the Big Bean. Yeah, he calls his hog the Big Bean and everything. His children are all Little Beans. Yeah. His children are all Little Beans from the Big Bean. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, and his, his, loving, his loving wife... Mrs. Bean. Mrs. Bean. Yeah, we're not gonna be we're not gonna be crude. Yeah. It's just Mrs. Bean. Yeah, she's 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 yeah. straight up. Well, because they both were named Bean beforehand. Yes, and that's how they met, and that's why they love each other. And that's why they got married. You, what you do, you guys? They had the same last name. Yeah, yeah. that's a sign. You find it. You find someone with the same last name as you. Marry them immediately. Whoa, hold on. <laughs> I can see some mild issues with this one because you, you're typically in pretty close proximity with someone with your same last name like right away when you yeah. pop onto this earth yeah. so i'm really hoping that rowan atkinson rowan mr bean atkinson didn't immediately find someone na- also whose last name was bean i'm sure they're at least second or third cousins yeah at least it's fine well now that rowan atkinson has stopped listening let's really talk about <laughs> now that we've alienated the bean crowd. this passage that we've brought up that passage scares me it's the most I would say it's one of the more intense moments. It's the first horror moment of the book, I would say. And we can all relate to being a kid and seeing your parent like enraged and screaming. Maybe it's just me. Yeah, yeah we can definitely see that that moment when, when your parents are yelling at you because sometimes it's staying out of the basement is like, maybe it's metaphorical. Yeah. Maybe it's stay out of... The cookie jar. Drugs. <laughs> stay out of the drug jar where I keep all my mescaline. Stay out of both of those jars. It's a little confusing, but... They're both on the top shelf. The basement is full of jars. You're not allowed to go in the basement where all of my jars are. Let me tell you a little bit about jar basements. <laughs> jar jar basement? Jar jar basements. Yeah. On the top shelf of every basement, there is... There's two jars. One jar is filled with just some of the dankest, creamiest nugs. Oh my god! Ever, and then you go to that jar first, yeah. and then you go. Well, I'm already up here on the top shelf, and you know it sounds real good. Cookies, yeah. Cookies. And then you go to that second jar, so you got to stay out of them jars. Yeah, yeah. You have to be an adult. You're gonna get into some sort of like jar loop. Yeah, that's why I need those jars pristine when I get down there, because if I I, I can smoke those dank nugs. Yep. 
Then I then I get the munchums and I hop into my Milano stash that I've transferred from a bag into a jar shaped like a clown. And I do have to confess that once upon a time I, I was smoking one of the real dank nugs and I went back for, for seconds and I smoked a Milano and I really have not been the same ever since. That's the danger. Well, like if you eat enough munchies, you want to get high. Because you're like, I don't deserve to be this high. And it's unfortunate because when you smoke that Milano, like you sometimes forget that you smoked that Milano. But you know who didn't forget? Pepperidge Farm. Pepperidge Farm remembers, Danielle. You remember telling your kids to stay out of the basement where all of your weed and cookie jars are? Yep. Pepperidge Farms remembers. Which, not to interrupt with actual plot, but in the first seven chapters, it sounds like it's a grow house. It just sounds like their dad is in the basement growing weed. Follow up. Uh, by the end, it sounds like a sex dungeon. I think a grow house is really a sex dungeon for, for plants. Yeah. A, a, green, a greenhouse is sort of like, this is the fun we can have with the neighbors. And a grow house is, this is the fun we can have with a Myself. very secretive Reddit community. Mm-hmm. Yes who is down with this specifically and ops in. I just want to share some of the, the sensuousness of the plants. So this passage is from the end of chapter three. This is when they first encounter the plants. Along with them is their friend, Diane. So they're down in the basement with their friend. Hell yes, they are. They've just discovered the plants for the first time. And this is how it's described when they touch them. The three of them stood under the bright white lights, examining the plants for several minutes, touching the thick stalk, running their hands over the smooth, warm leaves, surprised by the enormous size of the fruits some of the plants had produced. God damn, Danielle. It's too hot down here. There could be, there could be, there, there could be innocent ears listening to this. Bringing your smutty plant talk into our innocent could be goosebumps podcast. Merely reporting. Some parents are not comfortable with their children discovering their sexuality by going in the basement and seeing the enormous fruit of a plant. And you know what the problem is? We have furries, we don't have planties. That's because people have been shamed for loving plants. Do we not have those? Do we not have planties? Oh Oh, shit. Hang on. (laughs) Hold on. I think this is important. I'm going to type in to Google. You know what? First, I'm going to make an incognito tab. Yes. Now I'm going to type in smart planties. Uh, sex. Mm-hmm. It exists. What? Really? What's it called? I just found a web comic. I mean, it's not like a Wikipedia article, but for this particular thing, it basically is. Uh, furries, people who emulate anthropomorphized uh, animals, have been displaced by the new planties. People who oh, just wait. I think this it. is. I think this is just a joke thing. I don't think they're actually. Yeah. yeah. So there aren't people really out there identifying their sexuality and their and their and their and their self with a thick a thick veiny green boy. Yes, yeah. and you know what? They're being shamed. They're, they're being, being made shamed. the butt of jokes. They're being told to stay in the basement. They're being told to stay in the basement, and that's the whole message of this book. Planties exist. <laughs> Free them. <laughs> Free the planty. <laughs> Free the planty. <laughs> Take all of your house plants right now. Put them outside. Free them. Free them. Let let the people let them know. get the light that they need. Yes. Let become... them get the fondling they deserve. Okay, hang on. 
so so Danielle, I, I know that you you read your passage and that was just great, but then you didn't read the exact next sentence. Oh, I'm sorry. It's too hot down here. Uh, well, there's more to that. Uh-huh. So please read the whole oh. that whole part. <laughs> All right. It's too hot down here. Casey complained. He pulled off his T-shirt over his head and dropped it onto the floor. What a bod, Diane teased him. He stuck out his tongue. Can I just say that this whole section here is like... Horny. Yeah, this this is like the horniest section of any kid's book I've ever read. This buck wild. They have a plant orgy, and you know what? They, They love it. Well, and I believe... Casey gets boy handled. Fondled. Gets fondled. I mean, not in a pedophile sense. He pretends. No, no, no. No, She sees him. She sees him and she has to free him from his bondage. Yeah. Shortly thereafter. It's a, this, this is such a horny section yeah. of this book. Isn't it? It's, an, it's great. Well, and I'm curious, and I, I, I'd love to do some, some cross-reading with some other parts that Diane is involved in. Oh, flipping her red hair? It's a big, it's a, it's a big sexual freedom... Yeah nightmare book and there is this catalyst that exists in the book mm-hmm. and that catalyst is diane she's the she's i don't the, know if that's true she every scene she's the pivot she eggs them on to go down to the basement yeah she eggs them on and says he has a nice bod he's uh-huh. definitely eight <laughs> he's definitely, definitely eight <laughs> actually 10 and <laughs> oh i'm oh. sorry whoa okay yeah. my point is no it's sexy. This is so, man. Is you know it, what? I read this like four different times, this one passage. Cause <laughs> I all right. Well, all right. <laughs> it's a good one. But here's the thing. Like, I never read it out loud. Right. And hearing it out loud. Do you think our, do you think Royal Llama read this one out loud and then said to himself, this is fine? He knows the difference between when you read something out loud and when you read it to yourself. Very different connotations emerge. My, I'm concerned less about Royal Llama reading this out loud, more concerned about some poor hapless child in third grade doing out loud reading for the classroom. Oh, no. And, feeling real awkward. And, and say, all right, uh, Johnny, Johnny, do you want to read the next three pages for us out loud in the class? No. Johnny, it's your turn. No. Johnny, you're never going to learn read the fucking pages. But the, oh thing, the thing that you knew when you were in school is it, the kid who... Like you would re- see, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have clocked this as a little yeah, exactly. kid because I was exactly went right over my head. But kid. but if if I was reading this and then some some kid who was had sunglasses and maybe a a, a pack of candy cigarettes rolled into Definitely. his sleeve Definitely. was giggling through this whole part, yeah. mm-hmm. I would know that that kid. Definitely snuck. He snuck into his his dad's basement and looked at his dirty magazines yep. and knows and knows what he knows what I don't exactly or she knows what I don't about this particular horny plant stuff yes. that R.L. Stein is clearly he's, super he's about. He's merely planting seeds. Yeah. If I may. <sighs> you can draw you can draw a a direct line from this scene in the book to all of Anne Rice's novels. Correct. Yes, there's definitely a lot of horny <laughs> There's some blood. There's a lot of horny, thick, <laughs> smooth, warm Fruit, yeah, and taking off T-shirts and sticking out tongues and Anne Rice. Yes, it definitely started here. Yep, with the with the hot green, the hot green sexual plant dungeon. That's definitely the hot green is going to be the name of my slash fic, futuristic tale of don't go down, stay out of the basement. Also, just so you know, I keep googling don't go in the basement. Staying out of the basement means that they've gone in at one point. 
Yeah. I mean, ostensibly, it was once a basement of normal qualities. It had the one side that was a rec room. So, of course, they've probably been down there before. Was it a sex dungeon before it became the grow house that became some sort of plant-based sex dungeon? Well, the real question is, did it become a sex dungeon and then it become a sexer dungeon? Did it become sexier now that there's plants? Yes. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Yes. Okay. Look, they moan. Yeah. And, and... When they, when they, okay, so at one point, Casey gets wrapped up by one of the plants. One of the plants snags him, mm-hmm. wraps him up, but it's very gentle. It's uh, on page 18 for me. The tendrils hung on and gently tightened around him. He jerked violently, then pulled straight ahead. The tendrils held on. They didn't squeeze him. They weren't trying to strangle him or pull him back. But they didn't let go. They felt warm and wet against his bare skin. <laughs> oh, God! I read oh this. Oh my God! I we, almost barfed. We read this out loud to each other. Oh Why did we not catch God, this? That was so gross. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, what chapter is that? Chapter six. It's a good chapter. Oh, that's fucking <laughs> gross. That's right oh, wait. towards the end. And also because it keeps going. The tendrils hung on. The plant uttered a loud sigh. Fuck! Yeah. Yeah. And we're finished Uh, with this passage. Play some Barry White. Disgusting. Yeah, I'm into it. So. Some Barry White oleander. It's. (laughs) Get out. So I, uh, we, we've touched on the setting, I think, pretty well. California. California. Yeah. Uh, We've really, we've really, we've ex- really explored that, that space at length, yeah. and and now we we we've solidified that there's something fishy going on or something planty going planty, on in the basement. Yes. Thank you. With dad, sometimes plants smell like fish. Yeah, they do. Sometimes you need to wash those plants. The middle of the book, not a lot of Buck Wild stuff happens, yeah. but they punctuate kind of the monotony of these kids living with their dad, who's just in the basement. With one of the like to me most confusing plot points the book makes up. I'm going to read you this section. So a few hours later, they were still in the backyard and that's Casey and Margaret, the siblings. This is uh, this is chapter 11, chapter 11. Uh, if you have the, if you have the scholastic print version, it's if, page 74. Yeah. If you have the scholastic page, page 37, if you're reading a BS PDF, <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Um, Oh, that's halfway. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, a few hours later, they were still in the backyard trying to figure out what to do when the kitchen door opened and their father called them to come in. So they were just talking outside about how they were kind of concerned about dad. Margaret looked at, okay, uh, Margaret looked at Casey in surprise. I don't believe it. He came upstairs. Maybe we can talk to him, Casey said. They both raced into the kitchen. Dr. Brewer, his Dodger cap in place, flashed them a smile as he set two soup bowls down on the table. Hi, he said brightly. Lunchtime. Hold on. This should have clued him in immediately. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, no one eats soup for lunch. No one eats soup for lunch. I think that you can't eat just soup for lunch. You got to have some sort of bread or... Even Olive Garden yes. is never just like it's soup, unlimited soup. Yeah. All right, we'll give you some salad. We'll give you some breadsticks. We'll do you right. If it was just unlimited soup, you'd be like, I couldn't... But that's, that's, that's like Sisyphus trying to have dinner. Okay, but counterpoint, their dad has been so neglectful that he has apparently never fed them in this entire time. And they're probably just really hungry. Have you, have your parents ever not loved you enough that they served you soup for lunch and you thought it was cool? Yes. Yeah. These kids are there. So let me, let me just, uh, they said it was soup. 
two yeah. bowls of soup. And then the very next, like two paragraphs. Oh yeah, this is it good. Says, this is good. Margaret and Casey look at the thing, and then Casey goes, "What is this stuff?" The two bowls are filled with a green pulpy substance. It looks like green mashed potatoes. Yes, according to Casey. So that's it's not soup. Not soup. No, no. that's a little too thick to be soup. Unless yeah. it's a porridge. It's which is still not. That's still not. I wouldn't call oatmeal soup. Okay, squad. I think we've we've stumbled on something. Okay. Very, are we okay. about to really dive How into this topic? Oatmeal? How is oatmeal not soup? I would love an explanation. All right. Too viscous. Right. The most viscous you can be and still be a soup is stew. I know. Really? Yes. Okay. Okay. How yeah. about this? How oh, about this? Oh, I take my oatmeal. Uh, I wake up in the morning. Oh, God. So tired. Got to power up for the day. And I go in the kitchen. I get some Quaker and a little milk and a little and a little water. And milk I talk, and water? And I, What's hang wrong on. with you? Hey, it's my fucking <laughs> breakfast. And I take, I heat that up. I heat that up on the stove. And I go, oh, man. Danielle is right. Yeah. It is pretty viscous. So then you know what I do? I put it in my ninja and I blend it up into, into a, a little a little slurry. A little oat is that soup? Yes. No, that's an oat shake. That, is that whoa whoa that is what? An oat shake. Yeah, it's oat shake. What if I put it in a bowl? Then it's an oat shake in a bowl, which raises an important point. I don't think they ever call it soup at any point. I think it's just served to them in soup bowls. I think we are making. An assumption. She said two soup bowls down the table. Holy shit. Oh my god, you're right. Yep. It was never soup. It was never soup. Who the fuck calls out a specific kind of bowl? Well, do you only wait? Are they so rich that they have bowls specifically yes. side, set aside oh only for soup? Oh, oh, excuse me, sir. I've accidentally you. placed your mashed potatoes in the soup bowl when they should have been in the side oh, you bowl. Fool. Why just what, we, why? Why not just say bowls? Just why say not bowls just are you not in the face. Because, like, I never, I've never had ice cream in a bowl yeah. and then yeah. gone, oh shit, but, this was cereal only, and then set it down. Yeah things that I love so much about R.L. Stein is that he puts in weird, random, yeah. specific details where you don't expect. But can we assume then, this is from the perspective of Kate, of uh, Margaret, yeah. right? Yeah. Can we assume that potentially in this house, they have never been served any food in a bowl save for soup? <laughs> I think you're right. I think <laughs> So they have been so undernourished. Yeah. They've yeah. had so little sweets and sugars and cereals yep. that to them, the, a, the, a bowl the, the deep, or as they call them, the deep plate. Yes, the, the deep plates are designed specifically for the hot goop liquid that they drink that is yeah. an oatmeal shake. The denty more. The denty more. Yes. Yeah. Hey, Royal Llama, you could have called them deep plates. Excuse me. Um, I would like you to know. How'd you get back here, Royal? I'm always here. I'm in your heart, Joe. Did you only eat soups as a child, Royal? How dare you? I ate stew and porridge. <laughs> so you're so, so wait. this is so this is this is more of that fantasy world. Yes. That fan that, that recreative I, fantasy of I dreamed of, of soup. I just wanted soup. And but it so, was always stew. That makes sense because so so much there is a deep yearning in this yes. book, and it does seem like horny plant yearning. But yeah. there, at some level, it is kind of like I sure do wish pea soup. Pea soup. That's yeah. what I wanted. It was yellow. Yes. Thank, so, thank you, Royal. You're, you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Shut the door now. Bye. <laughs>
But can I mean, right, read the part, read the dad's uh, reaction when they uh, don't eat it. Okay. It's a little intense. Uh, here's, here's what happens. They don't want to eat it because they're terrified of whatever the stuff was. While soup is gross. Yes. Especially when it's like mashed potatoes. Mm-hmm. Their father says, what's the matter with you two? Impatiently. Then he raises his hand in an eating gesture, which I think was probably actually just a veiled like backhand threat. But I do like the world that Royal has created for us where this parent who may be a plant at this point. We don't know. <laughs> we don't know. Who thinks, what's wrong with you? Exactly. Did you forget the food part? Yeah. It's you, this. What's wrong? You do this Let one. Let me show you how it's you, you take the mini shovel and you dip it in the goop and then you put the goop in your face and yeah. that's eating. Yeah. Right in that big hole. It goes right in there. It goes in the do big that. hole. It's like do a that. baby the teaching big- other babies how to eat. <laughs> <laughs> The key here is that the big face hole is involved. Yes. And as a plant man, I know that. Exactly. And I don't know how these dumb little humans don't know that. I got to show them. Oh, this is sad. You know, baby plants plants can feed themselves. He's simply modeling as a father should for his offspring. His stupid idiot offspring. Yeah. Look. This, these children, obviously, all they know is peanut butter and jelly. It's true. They don't know how to operate the heavy Sadness. mechanics. Don't forget the sadness. And sadness. Yeah. And sadness. Okay. So, but then he freaks, the, he freaks the fuck out. So, so they're like. the end of chapter, uh, chapter 11. Yes. And they're like, no, I'm not going to eat that shit. And he's like doing a little mime dance, shoving spoons in his face. And then they raise their spoons and they put them in. But they don't put the spoons in their mouths because they can't. And Dr. Brewer screams and then pounds on the table with his non-injured hand. And then it's a little intense. It's yeah. a little intense. And then and then Margaret and, and actually R.L. Stein as well <laughs> made the decision. He's given us no choice. It's true. Yeah. It's really like when you think about it, the stakes of this make very little sense. They don't know what would have happened if they ate that stuff. They, well, we also don't know what would have happened if she just said, no, I'm good. No, I'm good. Well, because yeah. here's the thing. Up until uh, shenanigans. Yeah. Shenanigans. Lots of shenanigans. In the basement, dad was mild-mannered. Yeah, and soft-spoken. wouldn't hurt a fly. Very gentle. And for some reason, they're like, I mean, I guess it would be frightening if your parent, who's usually mild-mannered, started to hulk out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, like... Did they think he was going to, like, hit them? That's the problem with being a kid, is you think that your parents are going to do something terrible to you. And then they do. And then they do. (laughs) And then they do. And your suspicions are confirmed. Yes. My actual question. Every every parent, you're scary. (laughs) I think you need to accept that. Even if you're really cool, you're a little scary. I was scared of my parents, and you've seen my dad. Right? I know. I was scared of my parents. You've seen my parents. Hanging out with your parents is kind of like hanging out with a friend who you know for sure has an emotional disorder they're not dealing with. (laughs) It's like, yeah, they're mostly cool, but every so often they kind of just go off on the weirdest shit. Little strange. And they they do not owe you an explanation. Oh, no, and they do not give it. Do not ask. Guys, I think the thing that we're forgetting here is that we're not parents, and I'm sure that every parent, there's going to be a point when you're going to be bouncing little Jeff. On your on your knee, and she's gonna go. What can I do? I have to eat this, and you're gonna say, 
Yeah, it's good. And you're going to hit the table a bunch. You're going to be like, eat, 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 eat. I get it. Yeah. And you're, you're going to have a little tear. And that song, that Cat's Cradle song is going to play somewhere. And you're going to hear it. It's not going to be coming from anyone's Spotify, but you're going to hear it. Oh. I think we're also, I think you saying that, one, it's opened my eyes. Because now I feel that Plant Dad is a tragic figure in this story. Absolutely. Because not only is he a new plant dad. Yes. But he is a single plant dad. Yes, exactly. Doing his best. As mom is off on some sort of trip and he's left alone, new life in this world to Uh raise these kids who don't want to eat his gooey mashed potatoes, go into his sex dungeon all the time and think that he's some sort of monster. They have no respect. Yeah. Okay. New book, new story. Plant dad is the hero of the story. Okay. And that allows us to talk about what happens to plant dad. It gets buck wild. Oh, it really does. So is. Uh, this is, is going to be on page uh, 113. Which for us to cut it in half. Uh, so so that'd be I don't know, 57. 50 something, 60 something. Yeah, 56 and 0.5. This is a part where and I'll, I'll kind of, I'm not going to read the exact words. Just kind of, kind of clear. It's a chapter 20. Oh, you think you can do better than RL? I think I, I think, I think I could do so with less plant sex. Yes. Wow. The PhD has really gone to your head. It has uh, much like the leaves have gone to the head. <laughs> oh, nice. No. Uh, so they freed, they freed real dad right. from the basement or who they think is real dad. There's plant dad and fleshy dad. Yeah. So fle- flesh dad yeah. is down there and he, and they, he picks up an ax that that's just down there. It's been down there the whole time. Yep. And and Flesh Dad says, you have to be destroyed. His eyes wild, his face scarlet, moving closer, axe gleaming, as if electrified under the white light. And everyone freaks out because there's this this man who it looks a lot like another guy in this room. Could be twins, has an axe. He's acting pretty bonkers right now, too. He's acting pretty bonkers. Uttering a desperate cry of protest, Margaret leapt forward and grab the axe from the dad who had it. So real easy. Yeah. yeah real easy like that. That's she's 10. She's 10. And it's a, it's an adult. Yeah. It's a big full grown adult in my head. I'm picturing a full on axe, a yeah. fire, axe. a fire axe. This is a full blown axe. Yeah. And she just popped out and was like, I'm going to take this. Yeah. Yeah. No That's, struggle. That, no. Not, not even hard. No resistance. I think it was the the element. Of, I think what they're trying to get at is she surprised them <laughs> with her boldness. Is he also malnourished and weak? Yes. Plant food, not great for strength. But he was, that wasn't the one who had that the was, axe. This is Flesh Dad. Oh, that's Flesh right. Dad well, had the axe. Yeah, he's been down there for God knows how long. I think Flesh Dad, even malnourished, is stronger than 10-year-old girl. 10-year-old girl has surprise strength. She's been throwing that frisbee around outside yeah, day in and day out. A lot. That's really okay, you know what? I'll give it to you. It takes a lot of uh, lateral strength yes. yeah. to have the yeah. thing. She gets the axe and she goes, She now she has it. Everyone's like, oh, shit. Whoa. Okay. Whoa, shit. Like, okay. Whoa. Okay. okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's, it was, <laughs> okay, look. It was fine it's, before. It's, fu- it, it's funny when we do it, yeah. but when you do it, bad. Not so great. And then. We've seen The Shining. And then she goes, I have an idea. This is at the end of, uh, of, of chapter 20. I can't wait to hear what the idea is. And she goes, she takes a deep breath mm-hmm. because that's, that's how you know she has trepidation important. about this idea. Important. It's very important. You got to know her emotional state. Yeah. She takes a step over to the man from the supply closet mm-hmm. 
and pushed the knife blade into his arm. Yeah. There was she has a knife too. She has a knife too. Okay, yeah, she good. makes Casey get her. So a she knife. gets she gets the axe. She's she gets a knife. She has one hand. She's dual wielding. Well, she's she dubs. It says that she puts down the axe. In fairness to her, but I would like to picture it as dual wielding. Yeah, I do think it was dual wielding. Now, here's the thing. She pushed the knife in. Yes. Is a very slow way to describe <laughs> that process. That's an yes. excruciating. I'm picturing, and I think I said it once before when we were reading it. The scene from Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. That's yeah. the thing she does. Yeah. That's what I'm picturing in yeah. my head. A very intimate scene. A very then, intimate stabbing. And then. And then all that happens is, is homeboy goes, ow. He yeah. goes, ow. Ow. And not, my daughter has stabbed me. Yeah, not like, holy fucking shit. I have been run through. <laughs> there was never that moment where the, afterwards the parents were like, hey, Whoa, mm -hmm. that was not cool. Yeah. Who have you been hanging don't, out with? Don't stab that. It's also a huge risk because maybe this whole thing was a big goof. We don't know. Yeah. Maybe he's had a secret twin all along. Maybe, maybe, maybe this is their way of introducing cool Uncle Dave. Yeah. yeah. We don't know. All we, all we know for sure is that this little girl had the wild idea Give me a knife. Yeah. I'm going to prove who the real, who my real dad is by harming them. But then it describes the wound as like a pinprick. And also specifically, it is described as a long bladed knife. Yeah. So what I'm thinking is maybe a poker. I'm thinking like a Bowie knife. Or a stiletto, which is a nice pick, yeah. which makes more sense, yeah. but less sense. I, I'm seeing something like a long skewer. That just does a little poke, you know? Get me this shish kebab. Exactly. I'm going to prove who my grandpa is. It would have made more sense if she was like, get me the thing we use to test your blood for blood sugar. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. Be, get me a diabetic test strip. Yeah, we're going to pick you with a prin. And, prin? Prin. to prick you with a prin and see what it comes out. Well, he cried out ow, so I mean. That's human. That's human. That's what a human. That's proof that Royal is really tuned into human psychology yeah. because if if my beautiful if my beautiful sweet daughter who I produced with my powerful seed approached me with a blade and stabbed me with it yeah to I prove say, I was her daddy, I would go out. And it wouldn't be an owl of betrayal. It would be an owl of confirmation yep. and trust. And like, you are brilliant. You are my you child. Are, you are the future. With this owl, I've said, and definitely not going to take you to therapy for stabbing me, no. your dad. No, it's fine. It's fine. I ask you this now. Alternative ways she could have tested to see who was the real dad. Ask something that only real dad would know. <laughs> Plant dad's bit. How about this one? Where did we live before? <laughs> That's a good one. Oh wait, no, I got to wait. I got I got I got a perf. I got a perf one. What's my birthday? Yeah. yeah. Well, we don't. You know. haven't been around here for a year, and mom has not clued you in. They could have also. What's the thing that a plant wants more than a person? Sunlight. Um. Love. What if they just released some bees in the room and saw where the bees went? Aha. Okay. The bees would have gone to pollinate. Although they both had... Okay, okay. But these are more important questions that we're, we're, we're sidling up to. First of all, plant dad, real dad, both get plants, 
go, they get leaves on their head. They both, both get leaves. They go both get leaves for heads, but one only one of them gets stabbed. Only yeah. one of them bleeds red, which is weird. It's very weird. They, she she should have she should have stabbed both. Yeah, she should have tested both. What exactly. if what, what if he also had red blood and you didn't know until real dad took the axe, fake real dad axe, and then red blood dad kills green kills other red blood dad. Like yeah. what's your end game there? Yeah. It, why didn't either dad? Your dad's a one of your dads is a scientist. You have two. You have two grown adult men. Potentially one a plant. Mm -hmm. You have probably a very tired wife who just got home, confused. She's been on the plane for hours, so she's jet lagged as hell. And you have two children. No one's gonna try and just like, like muscle their way out of this. Mm -hmm. Also. It does say that she puts down the axe in favor of the knife. So she gives it to the plant. Here, hold this yeah, for a right? second. They could have grabbed it at any time. The plant could have grabbed it. The mom could have grabbed it. And Casey could have grabbed it. But they were just it. like, no, I want to see them recreate a scene from the thing. This yeah. makes perfect sense. Yeah. This is important. They they after real blood is spurted. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's it. Oh, we got it. Oh man, yeah. it gets it gets dark. That's that is that is by far. Do you want to read that that part? Oh, when he kills him? Yeah, yeah. you want to gr describe in grotesque. Because it is, it is gruesome. The capless Dr. Brewer. <laughs> moved, Flesh dad. Flesh daddy. <laughs> <laughs> moved quickly. He picked up the axe, took three steps forward, pulled the axe back, and swung with all of his might. The Dr. Brewer in the cap opened his mouth wide and uttered a hush cry of alarm. <laughs> <laughs> the cry was choked off. <laughs> as the axe cut easily through his body, slicing him in two. The, a thick green liquid oozed from the wound, and as the man fell... Is it a wound? It's pretty much he's halved. If, you're, if you have me, I wouldn't call it a wound. <laughs> no, I would call it half one and half two. I could bounce back from that. And as the man fell, his mouth locking open in disbelief and horror, Margaret could see that his body was actually a stem. He had no bones, no organs. So fuck him. The He's body fled to the fell, fled to the ground, and green liquid puddled around. <laughs> His last scream. He's still a body. Yeah, I, it's still a body. It's still a dead a body. Blood. That's just green now. The subtext as his mouth opened, I can't believe you've done this. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you've done this. I can't believe you've done this. So <laughs> then the next fucking yeah. thing is the family has a hug. Yeah. And then they go out for ice cream. How, how confused is mom who literally just got home? Yes. Has no context for any because no. the, kids, the kids weren't telling her much about what was happening. And he definitely didn't have leaves on his head when she left him. No. I'm just saying, I don't know who's really plant and who's really man, who's really flesh and who's really vine. But but we do know that as a, cl as a climax... Mm -hmm. Give us a voice, too. What? Give us a voice for it. Give us your sultry voice, Joe. As a climax for this horny plant magnum opus, I believe that Royal Lama Stein really outdid himself. Because mm -hmm. this book has everything. Mm -hmm. Sex, blood... Science, yeah. violence, pools of dismemberment, yeah. eating fetishes, yeah. sexual, sexual touching, sexual a tension, bath scene, a, ba a sexy yes. hot bath scene, yeah. a closet scene, a closet yeah. scene, peanut butter, peanut butter. Yeah. It's got everything. It's got everything you want. Yeah. And now here comes the part of this because we we folk. I mean, we focused on a lot of stuff in this in this buck wild romance, mm -hmm. but. I do believe there are some things we forgot about, and that's when we bring them up very quickly in Can We Talk About? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, 
things that I would love to talk about. Can we talk about why the mom really hates devaining shrimp? Can we talk about the fact that the mom definitely left the husband? She was leaving. <laughs> she was going gone. Okay. Can we talk about how maybe the plant dad would have been a better spouse to her? Can we talk about how when someone gets fired, they don't keep doing their job? Can we talk about the fact that Dr. Martinez was naked? Can we talk about the fact that trapping your former boss by accident or otherwise in your basement for potentially days at a time while naked is usually not going to result in you getting your job back from said supervisor? Can we talk about that the ability to drive is not a genetic memory that was passed to Plant Dad? And can we talk about the fact that Plant Dad was driving with a wounded hand, a severely bandaged wounded hand, like he had a club hand? So he only, he was steering with one one hand, probably very poorly. Can we talk about how weak flesh dad has to be to somehow lose a fight with a plant dad who could be cut in half with one single stroke of an axe and be stuffed inside a closet for weeks, apparently? Can we talk about the fact that these kids have a parent who's into science and their fun involves a kite? Why the fuck don't they have a Super Nintendo? <laughs> Can we talk about how mom somehow felt that it was okay to be gone for weeks at a time, knowing full well that apparently before plant dad gave them some sort of mashed potato and a soup bowl, real dad never cooked them a meal for lunchtime <laughs> at any point in their life. They, he did nothing for them. Absolutely nothing. They were latchkey kids. Yeah. Those are some things that we could have talked about. Yeah, but we didn't. We didn't talk about any of them. Those are all fucking things that were in this book. I have one more, and I'm so sorry. Can we talk about it? Can we talk about that the first line is, hey, dad, catch. Because you know what he never does during this entire book? You know what's buck wild? And I had this exact thought when I read the first chapter. <laughs> yeah. If, if he had just caught that frisbee. Seriously. If he had just said, like, he got it. Yeah. There's no book. No. There's, there's no story. No, that's a lot of pressure, yeah. Royal. What if what if you decided Dr. Brewer and then Dr. Brewer catches it? Ah, son of a uh, gun. No, they're gonna Time to story. move on to monster blood. Yeah. Ah. I mean, I wanted blood, but I guess. Hmm. How do I make blood horny? How do I get blood in here? <laughs> <laughs> now, guys, I uh, I would love... Because I have a print copy of the book, and what a lot of people don't know about the print copies of Goosebumps, especially the re-releases, is they contain what I like to call Goosebump-adjacent information, stuff you don't need to understand Goosebumps. It's a section that the book calls Behind the Screams. Which I love. Which is really great. It's the tonsils. It. Um, that, that is Behind the Screams. <laughs> there's a Q&A with, with Royal Lama Stein mm -hmm. here. And I love the Q&As because I'm convinced that he writes them himself. Definitely. He writes the Qs and writes the As. Like It says here that um, it was written and compiled by Gabriel S. Balkan, Bullshit. which I think we could respell into Royal Lama Stein yeah. with little effort. Just an anagram. It's fine. Um, question. What kind of creepy things are hiding in your basement, Lama? My basement is like everybody's basement. It's filled with the stuff everyone keeps around. Old books, old clothes. A few coffins, a decaying mummy, uh, <laughs> jars of zombie dust, fat <laughs> blood, all the usual stuff. He's funny. 
Wait, was he being real? He, he was making a ha It was a goof. But here's a real one. Have you ever had a dream or a nightmare about a character from one of your books? <laughs> Llama states, I never have nightmares. Never. I know what kind of dreams he does have. My dreams are very boring. Nope. I guess it's because I'm too busy dreaming up nightmares for kids during the day. Oh, boy. Okay, and here's a question, and this is the question that leads me to believe that if Royal did not write this Q&A section himself, a sentient AI did. And remember, this is in the section behind the screams at the end of Stay Out of the Basement, Goosebumps 2. Yeah. In Goosebumps, Hall of Horrors. Wait, don't spoil it. Number five, (gasps) don't scream. What the? There is a cell phone with a mind of its own. So spoilers for that. Bull fucking shit. Will the robots eventually take over the world? Fuck you. The AI asking this question asked, hopefully. Will they pass the Turing test? To which which Royal responds, machines have already taken over. Oh, shut up. A robot beat all the human contestants on Jeopardy. So we're well, fucked. I guess that means that they're real. They're people now. I feel like we just got to peek into Royal's actual like beliefs. Yeah. It's like his test for humanity. Can you answer trivia? Hold on. Wait a minute. This is now for Grandpa Royal. Oh, Humans can't go anywhere without having a cell phone attached to their. Wait, wait, wait. To their ear. Oh, Grandpa, you don't know shit. To you, their ear. Grandpa. How am I going to play Candy Crush like yeah, that? Grandpa, no one talks with a phone. The machines are winning, yeah. which is great news for a horror writer like me. Oh, so we can anticipate a lot of machine-centric... How would that help him, a horror writer? I don't know. I, I think what he's just described is a horrible dystopia where the one thing I for sure would not need are horror stories. <laughs> I could just watch the news yeah, or talk. And now before, before we conclude this behind the screen section, there are little interesting factoids oh, that, that they yeah. think are scary. Yes. And this is one of them. Double trouble. Oh, cloned boy. animals. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Would you eat a clone burger? Yes. Yeah. That wait, <laughs> hold on. <laughs> oh, okay. Let me, let me elaborate. All right, all right. That is a burger made from a cloned cow. What if it made it cheaper? It would cost more to produce a single clone cow than to breed one natural. Who the fuck is talking? The first clone calf was born in February of 1997, named Jean. Get it? Wait, but this book came out in 92, didn't it? Well, this is a re-release. And now, living in Minnesota Education Center, other clone cattle have been named Second Chance, 86 Squared, Betty, Kathy and Daisy. Did somebody just like staple other wiki pages in here? What the fuck? There's a better one after that. Oh my God. Would you bring back the dinosaurs? Yes. Or this is the response to this question. It starts with or cannot wait at the very least clone an endangered animal. Okay. Those those are two very very different things. Similar things. In 2001 scientists introduced Umbrella a seven-month-old lamb to the world, Umbretta was the first genetic clone of an endangered mammal to survive beyond infancy. It was a lamb? Umbretta's ancestors, the European Mouflon, <laughs> originally lived in the Mediterranean island of Cyprus, Corsica, and Sardinia. He nearly died out 100 years ago. That response has nothing to do 
with dinosaurs. Can I just say, get your fucking life together. Is, that was a masterful pivot. And that, my friends, is behind the screams, a apocryphal section of lore that has nothing to do with goosebumps or anything. Nope. That for some reason they stapled to the back of my particular copy of Goosebumps. It's actually not even bound to the book. Someone just stapled like an essay back there. <laughs> they could have like just put like recipes back there. Yeah. As a matter of fact. For, for green mashed potatoes. You wanna know, well, actually, you want to know what's buck wild? There is a recipe back here, but it's for it's for a candle. <laughs> so I'm not going to get into For a what? A candle. It's a recipe for a candle. A, cre- a creepy candle. That you eat? Yeah, I guess you could actually. Uh, you shouldn't. This podcast does not condone the eating of candles. No, but it is going to try it. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us in our discussion of Stay Out of the Basement by R.L. Stein. Thank you to the band Dog Party for the use of our theme song, Bad Dream, off of the album Hit and Run. Great song, great band, great album. You can check them out at dogpartylive.com or dogparty.bandcamp.com. Let us hear one final passage from the master themselves. Uh, Royal, if you could please read the final line of your seminal book, Stay out of the basement. You do, just because you asked nicely. Margaret, the flower whispered, help me, please, help me. I'm your father. (laughs) Really, I'm your real father. And scene. I'm Jojo, PhD. Yo, PhD. I'm Jeff. Nothing. <laughs> this is Geese Bumps and Almost Geese Bumps podcast. Join us next week. Farewell. Bye. <laughs> Just like somebody.